Today's passage is taken from Acts chapter 2. The disciples were gathered together in Jerusalem and they're awaiting God's promise and the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they get baptised in the Spirit. This is the birth of the early church and what happens is all the disciples spill out onto the streets and as people gather around to see what's going on, Peter, you know the guy who never seems to be able to say anything right, Peter gets up and shares the truth of the gospel. And the Bible says that when people heard it, they were cut to the heart. And this is what happened next. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day to their number 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and baking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a great example of the early church. You know, the early church grew like wildfire. They followed Jesus' example and the leading of the Holy Spirit to establish local communities of believers that quickly spread throughout the entire world. You know, in those days, church was a lot more contagious than COVID. So much so that we often look at the early church as an example to which we should follow, and quite rightly so. Uh, however, this doesn't mean that we can just start sharing our lawnmowers and inviting people for Sunday lunch and, and we suddenly make it as a church. You know, there's, there are enough people that study the Bible together and just end up arguing. So it's, it's not specifically what the early church did, but why they did it. It's the vision that drove them, which caused them to flourish as God's church. And so today in our Why Church series, we're focusing on the vision and values of the local church, and in particular, St. Matthew's. The Bible makes it quite clear in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, without vision, people perish. Simply put, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. And you can apply that to anything in life. Vision is key. I think in order to really get at what we want to go through today, I need to ask the question, you know, why are we here? Why are we Christians? Why church? Maybe for you, it's why St. Matthew's? Why are you listening to this talk today? I want to ask those questions because I really want to hear today. Um, I want to give people not a set of commandments, but I want to share God's vision with you for each of us individually to capture the heart of God for us and for this world. And for us to look at church no longer just as attendees, but each of us as activated visionaries carrying the heart and vision of God. So that's the plan for today. Let's pray together and get into it. Father, I thank you that you have a vision for your church, for your body, for your bride. Lord, I thank you that is, is multifaceted. And I ask today you would capture each of our hearts for your church for your great vision for it. 
and that we would we would leave this this place and this time and just envisioned for what you have called us to as a church and I pray particularly for St. Matthew's family as we listen to this God that something in our hearts would be stirred for what you're doing here among us amen all right let's get into it I want to do a quick uh, I suppose tour through vision in in scripture and particularly God's vision uh, and then we're going to talk a bit about St. Matthew's as a church so if we start at the beginning, God had a vision for creation. I talked on this a couple of weeks ago. His vision was that God would dwell with his people. And we see this from the garden all the way to Revelation. In Revelation 21, it says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. I mean, how many times can you say God wants to be of his people? This is a great passage for us to keep in mind. This is God's vision for creation is that God will be able to dwell with his people. And with this in mind, God gives us this golden commandment, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. From here, God has, I feel like a specific vision for, for, for humanity, for his people specifically. Daniel prophesies about it that, that God uh, gives Christ a kingdom, a dominion uh, that includes all peoples and all nations and all languages. And this dominion is everlasting. And we know that uh, by reading 1 Timothy 2.4, that God desires that all people are saved, that all come to a knowledge of the truth. And so again, with this vision in mind, God gives a commandment to every believer everywhere in the world. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Remembered a bit from Daniel, every tribe, every tongue, every language. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So not only is this overarching vision to dwell with his people, but God has a specific vision for his people, for, for people who believe in him, that they will go and share his good news with others. And from here, though, we can also see that God has that specific vision for the church. You see how we go from creation to Christians, then more specifically into the church, there's another vision. And we see this in Ephesians 3.10. It says this, that God, through the church, the manifold of wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. See, God is displaying but also carrying out his plan of salvation through the church. Christ has done the work, but he uses the church in order to share this and disciple people in this truth. He witnesses not only to the physical world around us, but as a church, we're called to witness into the spiritual realm. In fact, God uses the church to establish a foretaste of his kingdom right here on earth. I love how he speaks to Peter. He says, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is a tool in God's hand for his purpose of salvation. So we've got this vision of, for creation, for Christians, for the church specifically. But then if we jump into Revelation chapters three to five, we see uh, God send a message specifically to seven churches. And, and we can see immediately that each of these churches had different personalities, different tastes, different visions, different places they were located, different people they were there to minister to. Not only do we see that in the churches, but we see that in the apostles. You know, one is, is an apostle to the Gentiles, one is apostle to the Jews. 
we are part of one global church, God's church. But at the same time, it's really important we don't all look the same. Just as Ephesians says, God's wisdom is manifold, it's, it's varied, it's many, and so is his church. And it's really healthy that we have different expressions and different strengths and different missions. It's really healthy. So often in society, we see people trying to be everyone else uh, and, and almost trying to be everyone else other than themselves. And in doing so, in, in, in attempting this, they lose sight of who they are. They lose sight of the vision for themselves. And often in that place, people get lost. As the Bible puts it, they perish. The reason I'm saying this is because we as a church have to have God's vision for us. A church can easily lose sight of itself and the vision God has called it to. Look at other churches and the different things they're doing and get disillusioned. They lose sight of the vision God has given them by chasing after the vision of another church. And that's not to say we can't learn stuff from other people or churches. You know, we're all learning. All churches are growing. But as soon as we prioritize copying others over really hearing God's plan and God's purpose for our church, for St. Matthew's, we perish. And so you may be sitting here this morning feeling disillusioned about the church you attend. Maybe sitting here feeling disillusioned about being in St. Matthew's church. And this preach then is definitely for you. And I want to encourage you today to, to catch hold of God's vision for where he has planted you, for the vision he has given your church. You are the church. You're a valuable member. You're a valuable part of that body. You're a valuable part of that vision. I love so many things about other churches on this island. You know, uh, Lighthouse Church has its like its own TV show spreading the gospel, which I just think is incredible. Uh, they're braver than me. I, the camera freaks me out a little bit. But anyway, Elam Rock. Elam Rock Church is literally in a community centre, which is so cool. And they get to minister to people right on their doorstep as a result. You know, if we try and measure ourselves by the vision God has given each of those churches, then we're, we're going to fall short. Instead, each and every church must seek God for the vision he has for them. I can't stress this enough. We don't want to be another Hillsong. We don't want to be another Bethel. We want to be the church God is calling St. Matthews to be. And so today, my main goal, my main prayer is to envision us as a church afresh with what God has called us to do, for us to be. So I hope you're with me. That was my preamble. Let's get into this. <laughs> Nearly two years ago, um, we, we recognized the universal call on, on us as Christians to love God and to love God's people. Um, but then we really spent time and we took days to just really seek God. Who are we specifically? Who is St. Matthew specifically? What of his manifold glory and witness are we meant to exhibit? And this is where we were given our vision statement for the church to be living in the presence, power and love of God, transforming the world in which we live. And in order to accomplish this vision, God gave us three specific mission statements. And that's really what I want to share on today. The first one is to embrace God's presence, worshipping him extravagantly in spirit and truth. God's presence is his Holy Spirit. 
God's presence is manifest through his Holy Spirit. It's not an invisible force or a tingly feeling, but God's presence is the manifestation of Holy Spirit in the room. And this is so important because it, it stops us seeking the stuff. It, the feelings, the manifestations, the gifts, the miracles without the miracle worker. Instead, we embrace God and all those other things are welcome gifts of his presence. I've got my parents visiting this last week now um, and they came over and they came laden with uh, uh, presents and hugs and chocolate, which was great. And, and the thing is, they could have posted some of that if they wanted, but, but gifts are best enjoyed within the presence of the giver. You know, my parents get the most enjoyment out of it. We get the most enjoyment out of it. We're getting to do that together with them. And, and from this, I really kind of just sense this, this prayer, even as I was writing this, that God, we don't want your gifts without your presence. We don't want the feels if it's not you. We don't want the manifestations if it's not your touch. And, and just as Moses did, God, we want you. We want you wholly and completely not for what you do for us, but for who you are. And because of that, we thankfully, we humbly, we excitedly receive each of these manifestations of your presence with great joy. When we embrace his presence, we are embracing God himself, his personal, tangible, life-changing manifestation in our midst. We do this primarily in our worship, pouring ourselves out at his feet without regard for our own reputation, just like Mary at Bethany. She was extravagantly pouring oil at his feet. This is what he's called us to. And in this church, we're not afraid to say, Jesus, we love you. To be passionate about that, to express that fully. We worship as Jesus has called us to. We worship in spirit and in truth, filled with God's presence and guided by his word. Even in this season, I'm really proud of us as a church. And this is a moment that I really want you to hear. I'm really proud of us, where we're, we're pushing beyond our comfort zones. We're, we're not reliant on being able to sing, but able as one body and one bride to come together to worship God. That it's such a sweet and pleasing incense before his throne as we do that. And I just want to say, guys, I'm really proud of you, how you've stepped into this and, and kind of came up to that challenge. This is what it means to live in his presence. And this is what he's called us to witness to our community. The amount of people, we all know them, who have walked into these buildings uh, only to be undone by God's presence is a testament to these values that we hold. It is not our works that do it, but just as in Peter's first sermon, it is the presence of God through worship and the word which cuts to the heart of man, transforming the world in which we live. Our second mission statement is embracing uh, is, is because if we embrace God's presence, it causes us to encounter his power. In Luke 24, Jesus specifically said to, this, to the disciples, he said, wait in Jerusalem and as the presence and the baptism of the Holy Spirit will empower them to fulfill the mission he's given them. He said, go out and make disciples, but first wait in Jerusalem and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Our second mission statement is to encounter God's power serving and transforming the world in which we live. You know, God's power is not passive. It's not diminished by man or time. It is ever present now as it ever was. That same power that parted the Red Sea now makes a way today for his promises. 
The same power that toppled Jericho is a weapon available for us to tear down the strongholds of society. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead now actually lives within us, giving us abundant life today. It is the same power that enables us to serve and transform our community, both inside and outside of the church. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul describes this approach. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, Paul didn't get hung up trying to impress the culture he was in. He came to transform it. He didn't waste time with it. He did so with a simple yet powerful message of the gospel. That same gospel which is the power of God for our salvation. It was not a gospel message to persuade people, uh, intellect or theology, but rather it was a message accompanied by a demonstration of the spirit and of power. God continues to baptise, God continues to anoint today, God continues to gift, he continues to commission. So as a church, we eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, the manifestation of God's Holy Spirit's presence in us and on us. And it is these gifts that enable us to be effective ministers for the gospel. God's power enables us to, to serve and transform the world in which we live. You know, as we share the good news of his grace, they can receive a manifestation of his love. As we share on their justification, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness to their spirits of their adoption. As we share of his kingdom, sickness is healed. As we share of his heart, ears are open to hear his voice. It is the gospel and power we choose to encounter and then release into the world we live. St. Matthew's is a church where we are passionate about encountering his power and operating in it and so many of us watching today i know have been healed in this church been delivered in this church prophesied in this church we are a church that believe and walk in the power of his kingdom finally our last mission statement we've got to enjoy the journey our, our final mission statement says we enjoy god's love living in freedom seeking the lost and loving our neighbor I love John Piper's quote here. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It's the psalmist who said, delight yourself in the Lord. And Jesus called for us to rejoice in the middle of our, of our worst suffering. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.20, there's a passage and it contains... I'm so sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I don't know that. That's right. Um, I'll go back till we got to enjoy the journey. It's just like yeah. a couple of sentences. Ready? Cool. <laughs> Sorry. That's right, mate. Finally, we've got to enjoy the journey. Our final mission statement. We enjoy God's love, living in freedom, seeking the lost and loving our neighbour. I love John Piper's quote on this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, when we enjoy him. It's the psalmist who said, delight yourself in the Lord, that's Psalm 37.4. And Jesus called for us to rejoice in the midst of our worst suffering. 
The Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.20 to, to verse 23, he wrote a passage and it contains the, the reality that Christ is most magnified in us, most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, especially through suffering, even death. And this is where we as a church can really shine like a city on a hill. Just like the world around us, we are no strangers to suffering. You know, we are a community of friends who over the last three years have endured hardship, who have endured sickness, who have endured death. But unlike the world around us, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, that eternal hope of his goodness and love, that even after the final prognosis, the, the crippling blow, the last breath, when all else is lost, Christ remains. He is our hope, allowing us to endure all these things and yet remaining faithful to him and each other. And so St. Matthew's, this is a family of love. We weep with our brothers and sisters. We contend in prayer for each other. We're holding each other's arms up. This is St. Matthew's living in God's love. And this is something we hear so often from guests who come to our church, that Christ is evident in the way we love and we care for each other. And this is a community where the lost find a home. This is a community where our neighbours are comforted, where people are freed from the pain and tragedies of life in order to love wholeheartedly. This is where God's spirit is and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and liberty. And I really just want to declare that over us this morning. You know, we are free to love and be loved. We are free to enjoy God's love. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to finish up for today. Father, I just want to thank you on behalf of this church that you see us, that you call us out, that you give us a mission, a vision, a purpose. I thank you for the vision you've given us to live in your presence, your power and your love, to transform the world around us. And Lord, we know we can only do it by your strength. God, we know we're, we're learning to do this and we need you. Holy Spirit, we need your power. And this morning, I want to pray as for us as a church as we make a commitment to God. So if you want to follow me in this, that would be amazing. And it's really simple. We just say, God, we commit to embracing your presence. God, we commit to embracing your presence. God, we commit to encountering your power. God, we commit to encountering your power. And finally, God, we commit to enjoying your love. We commit to enjoying your love. God, we know we can only do it through you. All of our best schemes and plans are nothing unless they are blown on by your Holy Spirit. Oh God, we want to run that race. We want to be the church you've called us to be. And I ask that you would empower us, each and every one of us, by your Holy Spirit. You would empower us to, to be visionaries of this church, to, to run alongside, to carry this vision into every part of society that we go into. Holy Spirit, we can only do this in your power. And we embrace you this morning. Amen. My prayer today is, is not I, but God himself can encourage you 
with his vision for your church. And if that is St. Matthew's, then that's my big prayer, that you would grab a hold of this vision for yourself. You would, you would believe in it. You would be a visionary in this church alongside each and every one of us, wanting to see God's plan for this church, wanting to see God's plan for this community come into action through each and every one of us. And I just want to bless you this morning. I want to say you're not a passenger, you're a leader. You are carrying this mission and we love you and we're really thankful you're part of the family. Bless you.